Welcome to Change Voices, a weekly podcast where we explore the challenges, successes and lessons of leadership through the experiences of diverse women leaders across Africa and beyond. I am your host, Paula Frey, CEO of Frey Intermedia. My guest today is the award-winning Agnes Igoya, who is Uganda's Deputy National Coordinator for the Prevention of Trafficking in Persons and who heads up Uganda's Immigration Training Academy. Agnes escaped human traffickers at the age of 14 when the Lord's Resistance Army raided her village. Since then, she's built a center for human trafficking survivors, trained over 2,000 law enforcement officers to counter human trafficking, and fundraised for and delivered almost 100,000 textbooks to educate vulnerable children. Not surprisingly, she was previously named as one of the New African Magazine's 100 Most Influential Africans and is the winner of the 2016 Diane von Furstenberg International Award, the University of Minnesota's Distinguished Leadership Award for Internationals, and she made the 2017 Clinton Global Initiative University Alumni Honor Roll. We met in Kampala and spoke about challenging cultural perceptions, the influence of a father in bringing up feminist daughters, the Lord's Resistance Army, human trafficking, and how she was inspired to build a rehabilitation center for women survivors of human trafficking. Please be warned that some of the issues might be difficult to listen to. We started our conversation by tracking her journey. I guess it's really good to be here in Kampala finally chatting to you about primarily your, your, your work, but also your NGO that you founded. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you for well, having me. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your journey, how you got here. Wow, it's been a long journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it's really begins from, you know, when you are a child and th- the things that happen to you as you grow. You know, first of all, uh, my, uh, my birth was a scandal <laughs> because I was born a girl. Mm-hmm. So in my village, that was not popular. And, you know, my mother was called names about it. And by the time I was 10 years, I was actually given a nickname. They called me Amalayat. It Mm -hmm. meant prostitute. Because, you know, all girl children, all women are seen as somebody who is not worth anything, worth an education, but, you know, will get into, you know, the sex, um, you know, that level. And, And so when I asked my mother, why, why are these men and women and boys giving me a different name than the one I have? Mm. And then um, she finally told me what it meant. And I told her, Mommy, I'm going to really, really work hard and embarrass this man by being successful in life. Uh, that's where the drive, you know, really came in. And it meant that I have to do all those things that boys do, go to school, <laughs> walk despite the teasing and hang in there and um, I'm lucky because I had the support of my parents Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, as I went through the journey then something also traumatic happened when I was 14 the Lord's Resistance Army um, attacked my village Uh, they wanted virgins young girls Mm -hmm. for sexual exploitation so uh narrowly escaping that and my father because my father had to make a choice because he had his father was 100 years old and couldn't run and he didn't want to leave but my mother said you know if you don't run with us then we are all going to stay here so from a distance we saw them you know dragging my cousin's sister and her brother coming forward you know telling them this is my wife so that he saved the sister so my, when my father saw that he chose us 
and then we mm. left my grandpa behind. Uh, he attempted to climb a mango tree and he fell down. And of course, they left him, you know, for dead. But he was later, you know, confined to a wheelchair and died of his injuries. Mm. So he died, so we could survive. Yeah. So being displaced, you know, at fourteen, and you know, running, um, running through, you know, the jungles and really eating <laughs> things in the forest mm. and stuff, it really, you know, got me thinking and determined. And no wonder, you know, in my journey uh, later. Uh, even the choice to join immigration service to start working on issues of human trafficking. The journey actually later took me to um, at the border post uh, between Uganda and Kenya as a border mm. guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember one particular time when I caused the arrest of one of the commanders uh, who had killed people in northern Uganda, including children, and cooked their flesh and fed the mm. villagers. And he was now fully fe- fleeing the country and uh, when we got a hold of him, um, uh, the, next, the next day, you know, the, the young girls now, some of them were, you know, Joseph Kony's sex slaves, mm. and they had children, his children. Mm. So to be able to differentiate that these are the people who need protection and to, you know, get this commander, you know, to be held, you know, accountable, uh, really uh, was a, a turning point to mm. me too, because I remember the Minister of Internal Affairs then, uh, requested to meet me and one of my colleagues, and he asked, "How did you um, how did you notice this?" Mm. Then you tell him you are, you can actually train people to do this mm. uh, because he had the right documents. He came from the you know right tribe and all that. Mm. But you know, I think because I'd lived through that mm. journey and I knew how to identify them, so that's how I became you know the training manager yeah. for immigration, mm-hmm. <laughs> the first one at that. So that's where really the journey began. And by the time I started enhancing my training, uh, it helped. And so what kept the fire burning is that, you know, sometimes we look for our, our passions and mm. the things to do in life. I always tell people, don't look <laughs> to any further. It's in your journey. Yeah. You yeah. know, the things you care about are things, you know, which, which happened to you either when you're a child along the way <clears throat> or you've seen your friends or what. Don't search, you know, for what others are doing. Mm-hmm. It is within you, so that it's that 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 fire that will keep you keep sustaining you even when the money yeah. is not there. Exactly. Yeah. And your father was quite influential in your life, wasn't he? Oh yes, he was. Uh, first of all, you know, he had um, six girls. The boys came later. Actually, our last born I was. Uh, we really had to work hard, and this is how we had to literally pray. We used to kneel down and make all those rosaries because mm-hmm. of Christian background and really say out loud, praying for my mother to get this boy. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm telling you, God has problems. The prayers he listens to, uh, you know, you know, to get this boy and what. And finally, you know, it happened. So my father had, you know, six girls. I think he had to make, you know, a decision. You know, what do I do with these six girls? So it really helped us. Because he also had some education, you know, he was an educationist. This is somebody who was uh, a teacher, really low grade, and went on later, even when we are born, mm. you know, to really upgrade until he reached university. Mm. So, which is really incredible. And going on, you know, his ladder. So we are looking, we are looking up to him, and he always encouraged us, his girls, uh, because you know we are surrounded by people who don't believe in girls and believe in education in a village where, you know, girls meant nothing. 
so this is a man who challenged us you know to 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 really to really go for it and uh there was a lot of democracy in my home <laughs> even by the time you know his girls were getting married uh he he would call you and say what do you want and mm. he would tell you that I don't want bride price dowry mm. yeah and um, I remember one time you, you'd be in those negotiations and said, you know, when the other ones were like, okay, we have to give this for your daughter. I said, no, then we, if you want to give me cows, then we give the young couple getting married. So he was very firm, you know, with yeah. that because he saw how bride price was was really misused, you know, as if they are selling off, you know, daughters yeah. or what. And he was the first man in my village to really give his daughter's land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, even by the time I, I really realized how empowered we were when my father died, because uh, the morning after his death is usually where um, where the the clan meeting is, and then the clan leader and his cabinet, mm. village cabinet, and all men, by the way. Mm. <laughs> so uh, you know the first announcement, we are all seated there, and he was like, "Okay, today, uh, today is when we are going to choose the hair." you know, hair to replace my, I mean, father, to take on my father's legacy. It's the day we'll uh, determine the assets of the deceased. It's it's the day we really, you know, wrap up and see, okay, the mm. hair, assets and all that. So the first thing he said that got us thinking was like, okay, we are going, uh, if we get the will and we realize the will was written in anger, mm. then we'll change it. What? <laughs> <laughs> so we all looked at it and everybody, you know, put their hands up including yeah. my sisters they're like okay yeah. what do you mean yeah yeah <laughs> in, in anger my father was not an angry man yeah. and definitely we knew that they would they would automatically think that was written in anger because my yeah. father would have left land <laughs> his yeah. daughter's land he would have made decisions which are out of you know yeah. the cultural you know box yeah so we definitely knew that and that meeting usually determines you know the management of the estate so they mm. take minutes that's yeah. what you submit so we told them no 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 please mm. can can you withdraw that that word yeah. Yeah. we are very firm and yeah. I, I seeing the women cheering and like oh my god today <laughs> these women have really challenged yeah. and the good thing we knew the law we were all educated my father educated all his girls uh, up to university level so mm. so educated then when it came to um <clears throat> when it came to determining the assets the first thing he said that okay how many uh, it was about children mm. so he said oh can can the children of the deceased you know stand up so they were shocked the whole village yeah. was shocked that my father had only the children everybody knew yeah. usually that time that meeting other children show up, show up. <laughs> whom you would not know <laughs> so they were even they even wondered what kind of man this was yeah. thought it was a weird one. <laughs> can you imagine because because he didn't have any other you know extra children and then and then he asked that how many are married so we questioned that we said what do you mean because usually when when you say you're married that means you are no longer part Mm. of that clan because you're married elsewhere so you don't partake of the inheritance Mm -mm. so we refused we said we're not going to tell you that because Mm. it is a, a very relevant question yeah does it mean that when somebody marries, somebody leaves? Can you remove that, you know, mm. from from the minutes? We are so far. <laughs> 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 I know. And uh, the last straw, really, for them was like when we decide you, when they, when we are choosing the hair, uh, because my 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 brother, my older brother, was really uh, under so much pressure. Already, people were you know surrounding him. They know mm. that okay, whatever you can imagine, whatever you know, the land and everything. And so, so much pressure because they know he's the boy. 
And uh, when they told us, you know, to, to go aside, the, the thing is, because we, we, we grew up with my brothers and all that, and, and you know, our parents brought us up in a certain way, and it was mm. so obvious for us. So it's my, my brother, when we went back, who stood up to make the announcement. Mm. So he gave the preamble, you know, telling them where, where we are choosing, the person we are choosing and all that, and told them mm. the hair is going to be my elder sister. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! You should have <laughs> seen what happened. That was a scandal in the yeah. village. The very first woman, you know, to be here and all mm-hmm. that. So like they were like, "What?" It was an awakening. Yeah. The women in that village were like, "Wow, what's yeah. going on?" Yeah. I like that your father challenged perceptions even yeah. after death. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so you went on to do to work primarily in human trafficking mm-hmm. around the issue. Can you tell us, tell our listeners, so what do we mean when we talk about human trafficking? Wow, human trafficking, um, if I, because, you know, the, the United Nations, um, you know, uh, protocol, they, they, they call it the Palama Protocol, really coined, that was in the year 2000. Mm. That's when they attempted to really get an international uh, definition and call it what it is. Uh, they said it was the recruitment, transportation, harboring, receipt of persons for purposes of exploitation. So when it comes to exploitation, at least the protocol, you know, gave a leeway. At the minimum, it lists uh, things like um, sexual exploitation, uh, forced labor, removal of organs, uh, slavery or uh, activities related to slavery. Mm. So it gave leeway for, for countries, you know, to include areas of exploitation which were not maybe in the protocol because yeah. it, it gives it the minimum. So when it came to Uganda in 2009, uh, when we, we, we co-opted the definition, but we included other things which are peculiar to Uganda, mm. which included child marriage, removal of organs for witchcraft, not just, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for bodies, uh, use of children in armed conflict, because that, that uh, sp- speaks to us, the, you know, the LRA and the use of children in all these, uh, with the rebel groups, uh, you know, forced child marriage. So you'll find that different countries, you know, may, may co-opt mm. levels of exploitations which speaks, you know, to mm. their situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and how big is it as a problem globally? Wow. I mean, the International Labour Organization, IOM and all that, they put it, you know, 40, at a, in a given time, 2016, 40 million people, you wow. know, uh, enslaved. And we are looking at, you know, traffickers making uh, 150 billion. Uh, that's what the International Labour Organization, you know, gives estimates of a billion dollars. So that's mm-hmm. a lot of money, you know, yeah. they get out of enslaving of, of, of people. So every country in, in this world has trafficking. And trafficking happens mm-hmm. in, in there's external, which is across borders, but there's also internal within countries. Yeah. So many times, you know, we, we don't have to just look at the externality, you know, of, of trafficking, but also to look inside our very own countries, you know, yeah. servitude, you know, for example, use of uh, we, the demand of women, you know, to work in the sex industry, the demand of cheap labor, you know, in many of, yeah. you know, these countries. So to really look into the different areas of exploitation that happen across the world. Yeah. And Agnes, your networks extend beyond Uganda, don't they? Yeah, yes, yes, they do. I've had the the privilege and opportunity to really study, actually to studies, which have mainly taken me abroad. Mm. I did forced migration at uh, University of Oxford, where I studied, you know, human trafficking was one of the areas, but also issues to do with displacement and refugees mm. and all that. 
uh, for my Fulbright Hubert Humphrey program at the University of Minnesota. I specialized on human trafficking policy and prevention. Mm -hmm. And then I also did uh, my master's in public administration at Harvard Kennedy School. So um, being able you know, to study abroad and to see what happens in those different countries has really enriched you know, you know, my experience and my understanding of what trafficking is you know, as, as this global you know, problem. And, and, and part of your journey has also to then come back and, 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 the, and to do the kind of training across the continent. Yes. Do you want to share a little bit about what you've been yeah, doing Yeah, thank you. Because uh, uh, when I, uh, I, th I think that was uh, really kicked off when I was uh, at the University of Minnesota, I I made I, I applied to join the Clinton Global Initiative uh, mm -hmm. University, and that was 2011. And um, when I I made I made a commitment to President Clinton, you know, the Clinton Global Initiative, you know, to do three things: to build a center for survivors, uh, speak mm -hmm. <laughs> globally about it. That's why you know. I, I go to universities, colleges, you know, around the world, whatever, mm. you know, to conferences to speak about that, but also to train law enforcement. I first committed to train 1,000, but I've surpassed that. And um, very often, you know, I get requests, you know, to support different countries. I've, I've gone to train, I was actually the first to train Rwanda police and immigration. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I, I was back there not too long ago, you know, to continue training. I, I have, I have uh, supported Mali. I have I have trained you know law enforcement in Uganda where we had people from South Sudan, you know also mm. uh, and and they take on training on human trafficking from Somalia. So really um, around the continent, you know, I've moved and supporting governments, working with the International Organization for Migration, working mm. with uh, UNODC. Uh, the, the UN apparatus, you know, yeah. to do that. So you mentioned earlier on, you know, you, you made a commitment to build a rehabilitation centre, and you actually did? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I did because, you know, at the beginning, when I was uh, the Deputy National Coordinator of uh, Counter-Trafficking for Uganda, mm -hmm. I, uh, when I responded to cases of human trafficking, I realised that, you know, I didn't have where to take them, so I used to take them to my house. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, thank God for my mother and my sister who yeah. live with me because you know they would wake up and find oh there's a stranger in the house, but you know they they still they were nice and mm. um one 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 person specifically got me thinking this was a girl who was um who was circumcised as a child and then married off before she healed and he, after years of abuse she managed to escape from her husband uh, to you know run away as far as possible not to be found and mm. she ran short of money and she ended up going back to her parents back in Uganda but her parents were so upset because you know you don't leave your husband mm. no matter what no matter the circumstances so they were hatching up another plan you know to marry her off and you know she was uh, the mother was would physically even abuse her and all that and so I, I had made it my business to really uh, contribute to awareness campaigns. And I used to go to schools, to universities, and, you know, just go and seek out because I just mm. wanted to talk and tell people, you know, mm, all about mm. this. So I had gone to her, her school. And then a year later, you know, she, she actually reaches out to me because I would mm. leave my contacts and all that. So I got an email and I was out of the country. I said I would be there in two weeks. Is there somebody I can, you know, to help you? Uh, she says, no, I'm, I'm waiting for you mm -hmm. because I can only talk to you when you're here. So that's the, it's really important for us to be accessible and, and to make, make ourselves you know, open so that they can reach out to us 
because yeah. the fact that she couldn't see somebody else, you know, she had really connected and built rapport with me. Yeah. And so when I met her, that's when she tells me, you know, that story and all that. I said, oh my God, are you, will you be safe? You know, because she had even to lie to her parents about where she mm. was going. And then I said, okay, t- you know, no matter what, you know, whatever happens, let me know. Yeah. And so one time, you know, I think it was a half past midnight, really deep in the night, I received a call from her and she was in tears and crying. I'm like, where are you? She has no clue. I told her, please look for the nearest gas station, petrol station, we call it petrol station, see, and tell me where it is, then I can mm. pick you up. That's what she did. I picked her up, I brought her to my house, my, again, they woke up and found this other. Yeah, and, but, but as you can imagine, uh, when, when you host people like that, they feel uncomfortable. Because they think mm. you've invaded your space and all that. We tried our best to make her feel comfortable. You cannot uh, report to the police immediately. You have to really work with yeah. her on what she wants. And one day I came back from work and she, she was gone, yeah. you know. So that really hit me hard and got me thinking. I started, you know, thinking about the center. And uh, when I was doing my, my Fulbright, Hubert Humphrey Fellowship at Men, so that's how I started, you know, <laughs> saving money. From my uh, student stipend, uh, I figured out very quickly that Americans waste food in the universities. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I knew where food was. In, yeah. in, so I'd take leftovers mm-hmm. and I saved $1,000. Yeah. That's how I started with. That's how I started. You know, even that, by then I was then beginning like to uh, get books you know, for mm-hmm. education because prevention is key. I had gone to yeah. the books for Africa. So I was working on that, you know, getting this center built but also working with books for Africa. So since 2011, I've brought yeah. over 69,000, you know, oh, wow. books for, for libraries, uh, you know, for, for village libraries and also, you know, for schools, you know, to, to, to be able to, to have access to books. So that's how it started. And of course, I ran short of money, you know, when I returned. But somehow, when people see you doing things, they talk about yeah. you in yeah. a way. Yeah. So I don't know how, um, so, uh, you know, Vital Voices and, you know, Diane von Fostenberg, you know, got to know mm. about me. And then uh, they gave me the DVF award, Diane von Fostenberg award. And I went to the United Nations. That's where the award was. And I was given $50,000. I could have decided, you know, to buy all the shoes I wanted <laughs> <laughs> and the clothes. Too but many. I decided to complete the center. Yeah. And that's how it happened. And I'm Excellent. really thankful, you know, to yeah. Vital Voices, to Diane von Fostenberg for what for she did. Yeah. What are the challenges still today? Oh, the challenges are enormous. Like I said, you know, $150 billion industry. When there's a lot of money, of course, you're, 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 you're running after people who, are, mm. who have a lot of money. And sometimes we may, may think that, you know, traffickers are, you know, certain kind of people. But they, these are really connected people, you know, yeah. sometimes. You know, you don't have to look for, you know, uh, it's like the drug trade, you know, the cartels mm. and all that. They, 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 they don't pay taxes. It can involve yeah. politicians. It can involve law enforcement. They, they have networks and yeah. really. So you have to be, you know careful in a way Mm. but one thing i decided in my life is that you know i always tell people that you know uh, because traffickers may want you to be scared you know Mm. them and 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 drop out on on being involved Mm. but uh, i'm comfortable you know knowing that you know i really don't want to die in my sleep Mm. (laughs) that she died in her sleep surrounded Mm. no no no, i want Mm. to die in action (laughs) so that's okay (laughs) so maybe we'll differ on that one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so, like you were saying, that 
we we think that that traffickers are unusual people, mm-hmm. but in fact, they might be someone around us. Yes, all the time. actually, what they are doing now, traffickers actually are, are now using people well known to survivors to recruit. Yeah. So it's their relatives recruiting, which is you know absurd because you mm-hmm. know those are the people closer. So you can imagine your aunt, you know, your 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 cousin sister, yeah. your your schoolmate, you know, recruiting because you'll believe yeah. they'll say, you know, do you want a job? And that's it. Yeah. And like, you know, because you, you trust them and believe them, so they are they're using that. Yeah. So it so even rehabilitation becomes a challenge because you know, once you're back, you know, from exploitation, you mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable, you know, fitting yeah. into your family because you know, maybe your family, you know, has been re- responsible. And many of them are lied to because sometimes they say, you know, with women selling off their children, they lie to them, even on illicit adoptions, because for us, even mm-hmm. adoption is a what? You find mothers signing off, you know, their children, you know, for adoption, and, and actually, they don't know that they're going out for good. They lie to them that the children are going, you know, mm-hmm. for studies and, and all that, because mm-hmm. you're talking about uneducated people who may mm-hmm. not be able even to read, you know, the, you know, the adoption orders or you know, those um, you yeah. know, work contracts, you know, that may be written in different languages. So then what tips do you have for leaders who want to be part of the solution? Uh, I think not just leaders, uh, but, you know, this is some something that all of us, you know, can contribute to. Mm-hmm. I usually tell people to tap into their gifting because mm-hmm. so that it comes easy. If you have a big mouth like I do, then mm-hmm. we talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can sing, you sing about trafficking. If you can write, you write about it. Mm-hmm. If you have no clue of where to start from, start from reading and finding mm-hmm. out more about what trafficking is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, globally, but also in your locality, because mm-hmm. whether you want it or not, because it is in your backyard, you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. So find out, you know, if you, if you have money and you're busy, you know, support organizations in, in your, your neighborhood, you know, globally who are doing this kind of work, yeah. but just give support, you know, people who are doing it because you know like you can imagine listening to stories and being involved in this work some of Mm. those people some people sometimes you know people take care of survivors but they forget about people who actually also work uh, you Mm. know within that environment yeah Yeah. Yeah. which actually brings us to 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 the next question which Mm. is so you have a really difficult job Mm. and i mean the stories and you you must have heard are horrific yeah um so how do you sustain yourself yeah, you know, you know, with the stories, uh, many times you'd think you've got, you've seen, you've had the worst story, and then, and then the other day mm-hmm. you get, you know, crazy. Sometimes I, I, I'm human. I, I break down, you know, mm-hmm. as well. But uh, what keeps me is that I have a really loving family. You know, I know that you know my mm-hmm. family supports, and many, many of my family members actually take part in in, in my work and support mm-hmm. the work, the work, the work I, I do. In fact, all of them, which is a good thing. Uh, I also uh, speak, sometimes it's my escape, you know, because I speak a lot about trafficking. So when I travel, I step out of a mm. certain environment. Maybe I'm not listening to stories all the time, but now my, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, to audiences and all that. Mm. I meet other people in the same space. And, you know, when you meet, you meet others, yeah. you kind of bond. And, you know, I have really a great friends and a great network, you know, of people who are very supportive. Yeah. So it, it keeps me going. I suppose one thing is also to be mindful of the fact that it has a negative impact and that mm-hmm. you need to be working yes. constantly to, to make sure that you're sustaining yourself. Yeah, it's, it's really, really important. That's why, you know, p- people who may not have it at heart, you know, yeah. fall off. Uh, and to be mindful and, and being able to actually read your body and see mm. how your body is responding and not yeah. to fight it. And to know that you're also a human being, because mm. listening to certain, you know, graphic and you mm. know, really terrible, you know, stories, 
it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And, 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 and sometimes I know that, especially in Africa, issues of counseling yeah. don't, don't, don't come easy. I Somebody know. can just tell, oh, come on, go and take a beer and sleep yeah. over it, you yeah. know? So don't sleep over it. If you want, need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. To yeah. have that, even for your own staff, you yeah. know, when you're working and having to be deliberate, you know, yeah. about it and actually make sure they have that counseling, you know, have those people that, you know, you can reach to yeah. uh, in case you need to really, you know, mm. talk As- about it. And in some ways, I suppose if we want to get rid of the stigma around mental health issues, mm-hmm. we need to start with ourselves. Yeah, and exactly. The, and, and, and actually lead by example. Yeah, exactly. So Agnes, if people want to get hold of you, if they want to find out more about your NGO and the work that you're doing, where can they go? Wow. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, right right now, we, we, we are just developing, you know, uh, uh, a, a website. But as you can imagine, this is a kind of work that you don't even have to publicize much. Yeah. I have, I, I usually try to, um, because social media is just too broad. I try mm-hmm. a lot, you know, to, to use, I use Facebook, you mm-hmm. know, Agnes Igoye. It, mm-hmm. it just pops up. The reason I do is because, you know, I also mentor young people. So I usually do a lot of postings in there. You okay. know, I do Twitter, but, you know, I'm not as active. <laughs> and I should be as active. But, you know, Facebook, you'll, you'll be sure that, you know, I'll, also, I'll always post. And, you know, when you Google my name, Agnes Igoe, the good thing my name is unique. Igoe, yeah. there's so many people, yeah. you know, have the Igoe name. And people can reach me, you know, even if you do me the inbox and all that. But uh, usually I work into a space where we can't really publish, you know, where the home is because we mm-hmm. really have to protect that identity mm-hmm. and protect the survivors. Yes. Great. It's been really, really inspiring as always to be talking to you. It's so good to see you again. Yeah, thank um, you so much for and, having me. And all the best with your work, with your job, but also with the NGO, and I hope that things go well. Yeah, thank you so much. And it's good to see you in Kampala. And thank <laughs> you for finding us as a So do Google Agnes Igoya if you want to know more about her work or contact her on social media. While human trafficking is a global issue, its solutions can also be found at local level. Agnes is adamant that it's not just an issue for political leaders, but that all of us can contribute to ending it. We need to start by educating ourselves about human trafficking and then identifying local efforts to support. And Agnes notes that we can help survivors by helping sustain those working on the front lines. If you found this discussion informative, then please share our podcast details with your friends and colleagues. We'd like to hear your views, so please do engage with us on social media. You can find us at Change Voices and at Frey Intermedia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. We have more details about our work on our website, freyintermedia.com. Do remember to rate us on the platform you listen on. And thank you for sharing today's discussion with me. Until next time, let's lead.